Last week I began to speak from this portion of scripture and began to deal with this particular topic and the message is entitled, Who is Your Life? Who is your life? As we spoke last week or as I shared last week, we're living in a time that I would call a time of redefinition. And the reason for that is because many laws are being challenged, ideologies are being challenged, and even the definition of what a true Christian is is being challenged. And I told you that the greatest challenge is coming through misrepresentation because we see, uh, you know, we, we make it easy for folks to call themselves Christians. And I think that, you know, we need to make sure that we live that right righteous life before this world so that we can be the true definition of what a Christian is. Amen? The misrepresentation of true Christianity is only the result, and I shared this last week and I just want to run through this again, is only the result of a church that has lost its resolve to stand up for the truth. And this is due to a lack of devotion to search out the truth of scripture and a lack of desperation in seeking the face of God in prayer and fasting and a lifestyle of worship. And so you may be one of those people that you love to study the word of God. You may be one of those people who is who, who is standing up for what is righteous and what is true. This shouldn't offend you then. My statement should encourage you because you should be desirous that other brothers and sisters that call themselves Christians would do the same thing, that they would arise to the call of God to be the light that shines in the midst of darkness, to be the salt in the midst of this earth. And so it's an encouraging thing if you are one of those. If you are not one of those people, it should be a challenge for you to arise to that call because Jesus clearly communicates and he says that if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it into my definition. If you don't know what a Christian is, then what good is being a Christian? If, if you don't know what's required of you as a Christian and you're not living it, then what's good at just calling yourself a Christian? There's no, there's no good in that. There's no purpose in that. So we want to be those kind of people that arise. I love, I love it when, when I start talking like this, I can feel the tension, glory to God. I, I can sense that, praise the Lord. Listen, listen, what, what, what we've got to do is realize that we've got to make a choice. We have got to make a choice, period. We have got to choose. Are we going to go on ahead and let the redefinition continue? Or are we going to rise up and say, hold on a second, it stops with me. I'm not going to let the redefinition of Christianity, all that other stuff, whatever. But as far as what a Christian is, I'm going to make sure that I am, I am making the definition clear, that I am demonstrating what a Christian really is under this world. And it's going to be, it's going to be our choice. We can either say, I'll let it continue, or I will repent of my silence and my indifference. And I will arise and allow God to use me to restore, I said it last week, or reclaim the sanctity of Christianity, to reestablish the necessity of the church, and to regain our due respect within society. Our choice will be defined by one question, and the answer to that question, and it is the title of the message, again, who is your life? The apostle Paul communicates here, and he's saying to, and when he's communicating to the people, he says in verse four, for verse four, he says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so the question is, is Christ really your life? Is Christ really my life? Repeat this after me, please. Who our life is? determines our focus I said it last week again and this is where we, we, we ended the message in this, in this particular point we cannot deny the reality each of us that is in this place is we, we are pursuing something each person in here individually you're pursuing something you may be pursuing a career you may be pursuing a promotion you may be, be, be pursuing a person to get married to hello you may be pursuing a whole there's a whole lot of different pursuits that folks have but the bottom line is that the most important pursuit that has to supersede every other pursuit the, 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 the thing that's got to be primary on your mind and on your heart is that you are seeking the kingdom of God that your mind is where on things above not on things of this earth that you are seeking when that when we talk about seeking that means your practical daily behavior is demonstrating I am seeking Christ who is above I'm not seeking the things of this earth I'm not seeking the accolades that this earth offers I am seeking 
the glory that comes from God alone. And therefore, if I am seeking him, the only way that I'm going to be able to continue in that path, that I'm going to be able to persevere in that pursuit, the only way that I'm going to be able to continue to run this race with endurance is if my mind is also set on things above because I can be pursuing something and running after stuff, but if I get distracted, mm -hmm, if my mind loses focus, the, the, the other Sunday we were doing a, you know, one of my favorite songs now, the one that I do the little rap to, glory to God, and we came to this portion of the rap, and you know, we, 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 we added a little cut in there, and, 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 and my mind got distracted like just for a millisecond, and I threw it off, and I just started laughing, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but the fact of the matter was that I was focused, and then I heard this echo, and it just threw me off, and when it threw me off, I couldn't continue on. You know, horses, when they're running races, you know, they, they put them blinders on them. There's a reason for that. They, 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 they don't want them to get distracted. They want them to be focused where they're running, right? They want them to be focused on what is, what is ahead of them, not looking to the left or to the right. And as Christians, don't, that, that, that's, your, that's your blinder, church. When you set your mind on things above, when you set your mind on things above, guess what you're saying? Hold on a second. Is that, is, is that bringing glory to him? Is that bringing honor to him? Is that bringing praise to him? Remember, I talked about it last week. I said I wanted to be practical. And I said that, you know, when you, when you talk about setting your mind on things above and you talk about seeking those things that are above and all of those wonderful, glorious experiences with Almighty God, I said it's not saying that you got to walk around your whole life for the rest of your days after you meet Jesus on this earth praying every second of your life because then how are you going to witness you obviously wouldn't be able to go to work. You wouldn't be able to do anything. You wouldn't be able to deal with your spouse in a loving and, and, and godly way. But I explained that when we are seeking the things that are above, that we are bringing glory and honor to Christ when we are loving our spouse the way the Bible declares. We are bringing glory and honor to Christ when we are being employees that are examples. We are bringing glory and honor to Christ when we are honoring our parents. We are bringing glory and honor to Christ when we are instructing our children in the ways of righteousness and we are loving them. We are bringing glory and honor to Christ Christ when we are committing ourselves to those things and so right there when you are doing that you are demonstrating I'm not just looking for a pat on the back from my husband or my wife I'm not looking for a pat on the back from my mom or my dad I'm not just looking for a promotion in this earth hello because again we can be seeking the promotion in our job situation we're not really seeking to glorify Christ we just need more money mm -hmm, y'all ain't saying nothing we're not really seeking to bring glory and honor to God in what we're doing. That's not what is the primary motive of our heart. We know, well, if I walk in line and I do everything up to par, then guess what? They're not going to overlook me for the promotion. How about when there's no promotion involved? Hello. Don't get distracted now. How about when there's no pat on the back that's going to happen? How about when you're not going to hear, good job, you're not going to get the attaboy? What, 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 what happens then? Are you still giving 100% because you're not working for them? You're doing it for who? The King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? So our focus, when, we're, when, when he is really our life, our focus is going to be on the right things. The second thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Who our life is determines... Our affinities. Look at verse 5 with me. After he goes through all of this beautiful stuff, he goes on to verse 5 and he says, Therefore, you know, therefore is a connecting word. It's a word that's bringing two thoughts together. It's introducing a new thought, but it's saying, in light of everything that we just talked about, in light of everything that I just said, in light of all of this good stuff, in light of the fact that, you know, he, you, you're, you're going to be manifested in glory with him, in light of all of that stuff, in light of this, he says, now, therefore, I want you to do some other things. And he says this. He says, put to death. The word put to death there, it means to mortify, to render incapable, to put to death to remove the strength from, to make no provision for. That, that, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, don't provide anything for the members of your flesh or your body that are on this earth. He said, put to death your members which are on the earth. In other words, you shouldn't be living for this earth. 
Because of the fact that you know who Jesus is, hello, because of the fact that you, because, you know, when you go back to the chapter before, you hear this wonderful stuff that he nailed your sin to the cross, that he removed that separate. You hear all this beautiful stuff that Paul has communicated, and he's saying, therefore, in light of all of this stuff that you've already heard, in light of all of these things that you understand, mortify, put to death, don't live for the flesh, put these things to death. Now, 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 let me pause for a moment. He's talking to the church here. Did you hear me? This, this is not an evangelistic letter. This is to the church of Collis. The church, he's, he's, he's communicating to the church. Why is that important for us? Because we could easily go on ahead and say, oh, well, none of this that Bishop's about to say applies to me. Listen, you're in the church, they were in the church. They were as saved and as sanctified as you. As a matter of fact, I say they had one up a few. They, they had a few up on you because they had the apostle Paul as their founding apostle. Hello, glory to God. They had him in their life, the one who was being inspired. And so this, I mean, th th this was a church. And he tells this church, he's communicating to this church, he's telling them, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Remember, who your life is determines your affinities. Number six, I mean, verse six, because of these things, because of what things? Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So he's saying to them, he's, you know, and, and, and I, know, I, I know sometimes in the church we don't want to hear about the wrath of God. Hello. It's all good. We saved from the wrath of God. Why we got to talk about the wrath of God? I don't know. Paul talked about it, so I will. Amen? I mean, I'm saying if it's good enough for him to talk about it, I guess we should touch on the topic once in a while. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we don't have to beat you over the head with the wrath of God, but we need to be aware of something. That there is the wrath of God, that there, there, is, there, there is something that is called the wrath of God. It is a scary thing. It is something that helps us, you know, it's kind of like our equilibrium before, you know, we're floating on clouds and everything is okay, but then we get, you know, we get to balance. And hold on a second, God is holy and loving and glorious, but he is also a wrathful God. Hello. He says to them, put to death these things. Put to death fornication. So what is fornication? Fornication, obviously. That word there could be translated to the word immorality. And this word, fornication, covers every type of sexual sin. Every sexual sin. So let me explain it to you like this. Because this is something that is, is one of those redefinitions nowadays. You know? and, and, and it's not a new redefinition. I want to let you know, it's not a new redefinition. It's just a new redefinition in the church. Because back in the days, people knew that shacking up was not God. Did you hear me? People have been shacking up forever. That, 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 that's for real. In, in other words, you know, let me, let me help you. Well, shacking up, moving in together, not married. Sleeping in the same bed, coming together sexually, that's shacking up. Hello. Right? Okay. Praise the Lord. I, 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 you see, see, see now, 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 now hear me, hear me. <laughs> now, the reason why I say this is not a new thing is because it's, you know, I know like, you know, Hispanic folk. When I was younger, you know, you know, I was around some Hispanic folk, obviously. Hello. And you see people together. They've been together for 20 years, and you swear they're married because they live in a house together. They got kids together. Everything is good. They never got married. But all the time, oh, that's my husband. That's my wife. No, it ain't. Y'all are playing house for a long time. <laughs> Hear me. It's not a new thing. But the church used to reject that stuff, hands down, no question asked. Nowadays, it's kind of like, you know, all right, whatever. You know, and then you get this confusing stuff. You know, there's this book called Conversations with God or something like that that was written. And, and, and supposedly some guy had this conversation with God. He asked him about this fornication thing, and God is saying, I don't have a problem with that. They love each other. He should have intercepted his conversation with the Bible, clarified some stuff and said, wait a second, didn't you say this? This wasn't just the preacher saying this. So fornication, it covers that type of relationship, right? It, co it covers a man and a woman coming together outside of the bond of marriage. So if you're doing that, you need to stop, period. Put that to death. 
Wait till you get married. Oh, let, 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 let me help you understand something because, you know, you got them spiritual Christians. Well, I'm going to marry him anyway. Mm-hmm. We got a word from the Lord that we're supposed to be together. Okay, so go on ahead and get married. Don't, don't, get, don't get it twisted. See, we laugh, but let me tell you something, church. This stuff is serious. This is for real. Well, we're going to get married. We got a marriage. We, we, we got a wedding date. We going through the, that's right, plan, 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 and wait for that night. Hello. That's what's supposed to happen. But, you know, folks want to open up early the gift. <laughs> I just want a taste test. Mm-mm. Listen, there is no taste testing in the kingdom. Hello. <laughs> See, they got 19 jokes. It's good, though. I like it. They said cookies, said you end up with crumbs. I like that, glory to God. That's good stuff. Listen. The youth went to that conference a long time ago um, when Pastor Lewis and Pastor Anna were in Melbourne. True love waits. True love waits. Did you hear me? It ain't just a conference. It's a reality. So if they don't want to wait, tell them get the stepping. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. That goes for guys and girls because, you know, some girls are crazy. See, we always think it's the guy that's always the pursuer. Mm-hmm. Listen, y'all. <laughs> so we understand the guy-girl relationship. This also covers, I want you to understand what immorality covers. Immorality also covers homosexuality. It covers lesbianism. He's saying, listen, you put to death these members. It also covers something that we don't hear much about, but I'm going to say it because it's in the Bible, so someone must have done it. It's called bestiality. People sleeping with animals. Listen to me. I don't know. I, I never heard nothing like that, like, in, you know, anybody. But it's in the Bible. And so if it is in the scriptures, you know what that means? That means that someone was doing it. It is nasty. I agree. But can I tell you something? And let me, let me put this into perspective. You see how nasty that thought is to you? I'm thinking of a person sleeping with an animal. Can I tell you something? It should be just as nasty you thinking about somebody getting together outside of marriage. It should be just as nasty thinking about a man and a man being together. It should be just as nasty thinking about a woman and a woman being together. The sad thing is that in the world, you know, men would think, I want to see two women together. Listen to me. Hold on a second. That should be nasty the same way that that nastiness comes inside. See, because here's what happens. What you don't realize is that our sinful nature has corrupted our moral palate. It has corrupted our moral taste buds. And so the things that should repulse us, impulse us. The things that should make us sick, just like thinking of a person with an animal. That's how it should be when someone is approaching you to have sex outside of marriage. That's the same disgust that should come inside of your spirit because that is how God sees sex outside of marriage. He says it clearly in the book of Hebrews. He says marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers will be judged. In order, in other words, what's going to happen is they are going to experience the wrath of God. Why? Because it disgusts him. Sin disgusts God. So he says put to death these members. Fornication. He moves on to uncleanness. Moves into this next place. Let me say this before I move on because, well, you know, Bishop, you know, we love each other. How can we be, you know, how could that be so disgusting to God? Listen, because you have not honored him by sanctifying your marriage before him. Hear me. It is important that we grasp this reality, that we do not give in to what the world's standards are. This, this whole immorality thing here, this covers the adultery stuff, too, that, you know, that we do. You know, that we're over here looking at other people and, you know, seeing how fine they are. You know, and, and you, know, you know, I always bring up Facebook because Facebook is a crazy place sometimes. Hello. And, you know, you go on there and you see, and you, and you see Christian, you know, and, and, and I say it. It ain't nobody in here, so I ain't talking about nobody up in here. Glory to God. If it was you, you would know because I would have emailed you and told you something. 
Let's keep it real. Glory to God. Any, anybody who's ever, who's ever said something crazy knows they've gotten a little, hey, hey what's up with that? That's crazy right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh-huh. <laughs> send you a private message. Like, what is wrong? See, I, I don't even send, I'll be like, what's up with you? What, 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 what'd you say? You crazy. Hello. Anyway, you see God, you know, supposedly, because, you know, it's, it's beautiful. I get on Facebook, you know, and I, I'm looking at stuff. Be like, I like that, talking about God and his glory and everything. And then all of a sudden, married woman, godly woman, talking about how fine some dude is. I'm like, are you? No, but the, this is the crazy part. The crazy part is that she got like 19 comments on there from other married women talking about how fine this guy is. Listen, I want you to know something. I understand there's some good-looking folks out there. I, 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 I'm not the best-looking man on the planet, not, you know, by any means. And, and you know what? The bottom line is this. My wife should have eyes for me only, period. Flip it around. In my eyes, she's the finest woman on the planet. Amen, somebody. I shouldn't be looking at somebody talking about how fine they are. Oh, my goodness. Eh? Just making me. Making you What? Listen, if you got issues like that, Jesus gave you a little, you know, antidote. If your eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out. In other words, stop looking at Mr. Fine. Hello, somebody. Stop looking at Mrs. Fine. Stop. Just stop doing it. Just don't. Because it is causing you to sin. It is causing you to dishonor God. It's like it's, it is not okay. It is not okay. Jesus makes it plain and clear. If you look and you're lusting, talk about how fine he, That's lusting. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. I know. We, we, we want to hear that stuff. But it is the truth. Put to death. Mortify those things. Make no provision for your flesh. Amen? So we dealt with fornication. That only took me a little while. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, put to death fornication. Then he says, uncleanness. Now, this goes beyond the action. <laughs> this goes beyond what you're doing to what you're thinking, to what you're feeling, to what's going on inside of you. He says, look, put to death the uncleanness. Deal with the impurity. Deal with those things that are causing you to do these other things. Deal with those things that do not align. Deal with your heart. What does Paul say? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of the mind. So he's saying, look, you need to be transformed. You need to remove the unclean thoughts and replace them with clean thoughts. You need to remove those thoughts that are not bringing glory, not bringing honor to God, and you need to replace them with thoughts that are. You know what that takes, though? That takes discipline. You know, we, we, we often, often, you know, pa Pastor Robert and myself will teach classes, you know, and other pastors in the church and other people teach classes, and we talk, you know, we'll, we'll usually get on this topic once in a while. We need to memorize scriptures. And I can guarantee you that every one of us that is in here that has ever taught a class on that or been present in a class like that have heard somebody say, I just can't memorize scripture. Hear me. It may take you longer to memorize scripture, but you can memorize scripture. Because almost everybody that I know that says they can't memorize scripture, they can remember a song. And not even a Christian song. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a spiritual song. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about a song from way back when. How'd they learn that song? Repetition. They continue to listen to it over. And oh, it was their favorite. That was my jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was your jam, and you 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 memorized every word. You knew where the cuts were. Hello, somebody. If you went to one of their concerts and they changed the cut, hold on a second. There was some change there. That, that, that wasn't the original. That was a remix. But those same folks be I, I can't memorize scripture. No. First of all, 
You can memorize scripture. And if you have issues, memory issues, you know, my wife, she told me, she's like, look, babe, when I was in college, you know, from cramming and just all this info, she's like, I have issues. But you know what? My wife knows she just got to discipline herself more to memorize scripture. It's going to take her a little bit longer. But you know what? Here's the thing is when you say you can't memorize scripture, you're saying that God is not able to help you to do what he tells you to do. Did you hear what I said? How do you meditate upon scripture? You meditate upon scripture because you have memorized it and you continue to repeat it to yourself. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Glory to God. So how do you change? How, how, do you, how do you put to death the impurity of your mind? The way you put it to death is by giving life to the purity of scripture and letting the word of God enter your life. Letting the word of God renew your mind. And it takes more time. You know what? It's good. You won't be able to watch the show you want to watch. Hello means that you're going to have to take time out of your wonderful schedule and say, you know what, God, I'm giving all of this time to you. I'm, I'm going to take that hour, those two hours, because you know what, I want to memorize Scripture so that way my mind will be, I won't be paraphrasing. Hear me. It's okay to paraphrase. Don't, don't get it. To, I paraphrase all the time when I'm preaching, and I'll let you all know I'm a paraphrase right now. In conversation, this, this is a paraphrase because, you know, I'm like, wait a second, this, this is not sounding accurate. It's okay to paraphrase, but don't depend on paraphrase. Hello? We need to memorize the scripture so we can deal with the impurity. The third thing that he says here, you deal with uncleanness. I mean, you deal with fornication, you deal with uncleanness. And then he says, passion and evil desire. Now, I put those two together because they're two similar words. And he's dealing with two things. He's talking about passion. He's talking about uncontrolled, unbridled, ungoverned desires. Not necessarily evil. He's saying these ungodly desires. What does he mean? And the reason why I say not necessarily evil is because the next one says evil desires, showing that there's a distinction between these two. Now, you may not see it like this, but I hope that you will be illuminated that this is the truth. Do you know that worrying is a passion? It's a negative passion. Because your mind be up on stuff and you just like passionate about that thing just in your head. It's just there, just stuck. Just like, how am I going to do this? How am I gonna do this? That is a passion. It's a negative passion. Nonetheless, it is a passion. How about fear? You ever think about fear? Fear is the same thing. I'm afraid. I'm, it's, it's something that your mind is devoted to. That you're just, I mean, you're shaking, trembling. Because it's, these are negative things. Those are things that you, that they're just unbridled desires. Things that you, you just can't. He's saying, you know what? You need to deal with those. Put those things to death. Put those things to death. Other desires, other things that we have that are going on. He's saying, put those things to death. Deal with those things. Don't allow yourself to be driven by anything other than what? What you're seeking and where your mind is set. Don't be driven by worry. Be driven that God has all things under control. Be driven by the fact that he tells you to be anxious for nothing. He communicates it. Be driven by the fact that he says that if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all things will be at. See, that's how we have to have. Don't be driven by fear because you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so you've got to walk in that. You've got to walk in that power and let the spirit of God deal with you. This is what God is communicating. He's saying, look, these don't, don't be driven by these passions. Because these things do what? They move us away from walking in the truth. They move us away from walking in freedom. They move us away from walking in the liberty that God wants us to walk in as we continue to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and see him glorified in our lives. Evil desire. Now, this is different. See, evil desire is those corrupt, nasty things that are inside of us. See, some of us, some of us that are in here don't even know what I'm talking about. You have no idea. You know why? Because you ain't experienced nothing. You don't have any experience. I remember Pastor Robert and I were talking when I was first, um, before my wife and I, well, really before we met. But um, we were talking because I had a girlfriend at the time. And, you know, this girl was younger than me. And him and I were having a conversation. And he, and he pointed out something to me. He said, listen, man. He said, when you've never tasted candy, you don't necessarily want it. You don't know what it's like. You never experienced that, you know, Rupture in your mouth that the candy, you know, causes. Hello. <laughs> Some candy, you know. <laughs> Sour patch would be like, whoosh, just rupture up in there, you know, be like, wow. Right? So, here, so here's the thing. Because you never experienced it, 
If you never, if you never had a candy, now, now, now think about it. You, just, you, can, you can apply this. Just look at, look, think, think about yourself walking in the store, you know, and you're going to the checkout aisle right there, right? Hello, somebody. <laughs> you can look at every single candy that they have on that aisle, and none of them move you except the one you've tasted. Come on, I mean, be, be real about it. Why? Because, oh, I know what that would taste like. And right now I'm on this diet. Mm-hmm. That would be really good right now. But it ain't like that with every single piece of candy on that thing. Why? Because you haven't tasted it. And so what I'm saying is that there's some people in here, you haven't tasted a whole bunch of stuff. So you don't have as much, because you have some, you don't have as much going on inside of you. You don't have as much evil desire. You don't have as much. They're still there because every one of us is born into sin. And even if you haven't tasted candy, there is a sinful nature in you that draws you toward sin. There is a sinful nature in you that is going to pull you in the wrong direction. And so Paul says, you need to deal with that. You need to put that to death. He goes on and he communicates and he says, listen, put to death fornication, put to death uncleanness, put to, get, put to death passion and evil desire. And then he says, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So what he's doing is he's classifying this last particular sin and he's saying this is covetousness. This is a desire for more, but it's not just a desire for more. It's never being satisfied with what you have. It's not just that you want more. It's that you're never truly satisfied with what God has provided. And he says, you know what? If you're a covetous person, he says, you are an idolater. In other words, when you think of idolatry, automatically you think of some big idol and people bowing down to it. And what God is saying is that if you are a covetous person, you are the same. If you are a person who is never satisfied with God's provision in your life, if you are a person who is never satisfied with what God has given you, if you're a person that is finding yourself, and this is a real easy test, if you're a person that is finding yourself getting into debt and all kind of stuff because you're trying to get this and get that and get the next thing, you better check yourself because you're probably a covetous person who is not appreciating what God has provided and living within those means and allowing God to take you where he's going to take you rather than going where you want to go hello and so it's important that we realize this because idolatry is bowing down it is false worship when you can't find joy in God and who he is and getting stuff brings you more joy than his presence you got to check yourself when you connect, I mean, if, if God is not giving it to me, then God ain't with me. The devil is a liar. Listen, God wants us. I'm going to preach on this one day and, you know, later on, hallelujah, glory to God. But the apostle Paul tells us, he says, listen, he said, being content, contentment with godliness is great gain. Great gain. We need to learn to gain the things that God wants us to gain. Amen? We're going to continue on here. And let's have a few more, money, a few more minutes and we'll be, we're going to wrap this point up. He goes on in verse 6 and he says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Because of these sinful behaviors, the wrath of God is coming upon people. It is coming upon those who are disobeying what the scriptures teach. And so he's checking the, he's checking the church. He's saying, listen, you were dead. You, you died. You were raised with Christ. You should be focused on things in heaven. You should be setting your mind on things above. You should be living for something that is outside of this world. And he says, and, and because of that, you shouldn't be walking in these things. But he's giving them a warning. He's saying, but look, you, you need to remember the wrath of God is coming because of this stuff. And so as a Christian, don't play yourself. As a Christian, don't think, oh, well, you know, I said a prayer. I go to church every week. I do the things that I'm supposed to do religiously. Therefore, I'm okay with God. That's not true. If you're walking in fornication, living in impurity, if you have passions that are driving your life, evil desires that are calling you to sin, if you're a covetous person and you call yourself a Christian, listen, you're washing out that confession because you're demonstrating something different. 
And he's saying, you, you, the, the wrath of God is coming. And he says, in which, verse 7, you yourselves once walked. You used to walk under the wrath of God. Somebody should have said amen right there. Because you used to. If you walking with him, you used to walk. You were walking under the wrath of God. You were walking under a condemnation. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, now, because of that sacrifice on the cross, you're no longer walking under the wrath of God. You're walking under the grace of God. Hallelujah. You once walked in those ways. You once walked under the wrath of God. You once lived in those things. But he goes on to communicate, and he says in verse 8, he says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and he is in all. Amen, somebody. He says, listen, you got to put this stuff off. See, you got to put this stuff to death and you need to put this stuff off. And he goes on and he communicates these things. He says, you need to put away this anger. What does he mean? He's not talking about just anger because people get angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. In other words, you're going to get angry about stuff. There are going to be things that are going to get you upset. That is going to happen. Period. The question is not whether you get angry. The question is what do you do in your anger? And what do you do with your anger? Do you continue to carry that? Do you continue to harbor that? Do you continue? Because when he's saying this anger, he's saying that bitterness that comes from anger. He's saying you need to put that off. Because you got angry, because someone did you wrong, someone would, you know, did an unjust thing to you, someone hurt you, someone offended you, someone did whatever the case was, and now you're angry. Somebody let you down, something happened, and so you get angry. But the question is, what do you do with that anger? How do you deal with it? Well, you can't walk in it as a Christian. If you walk in it, guess what it's going to lead to? The next thing, wrath. And this is not righteous wrath. Hello. This is called just those outbursts. This is what he's saying. Deal with the anger. Put off the wrath. Stop trying to do God's job. Hello? Didn't God say vengeance is mine? See, here, 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 here's the reality. The reality is that most of us are like, yeah, God, you say vengeance is yours. I want you to just annihilate that person. That, that, that's the wrong heart, church. Father, vengeance is yours. Take vengeance upon them. Listen, a lot of people deserve that wrath of God on their lives. But so did you. That's why you can't walk around with that bitterness, that anger. Because then that wrath, then that explosion, you take things into your own hands. Hello. He said, deal, put off the wrath that is there. He says, put off the malice. That malice, that's just that evil, that just the, the, the wrong desires inside of your heart, the wrong feeling, the things when you're walking around and you just have that vengefulness, you have that, you know, that, that, that mindset where you're just going to get back. You know, that he's saying, get rid of that stuff. Get rid of that malice inside of you. Doing things with two reasons, two purposes. Hello. You know, you do stuff, oh, I'm going to do this like this, but I'm doing it for this reason, really. It says, put off blasphemy. That word blasphemy is better translated slander. And what is slander? Slander is speaking evil of someone. Speaking evil with the intent of doing what? Of making them look bad. Oh, you got angry with that person? And so you know what? I blew up. I have a bad intention inside of me, and so now I'm going to get around folks that they know. I'm going to tell them, listen, I just have a prayer request. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, the, 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 one, one of the greatest places where slander takes place, prayer request. Because, <laughs> you know, you come in all solemn and spiritual. You know, I just, I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just really sense this. You know, we need to pray for this person. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised what kind of stuff goes on in prayer meetings. Hello. 
I heard about a prayer. This, 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 is, this is serious. This is really, I'm going to say this is crazy right here. I heard about a church. They had two different prayer groups. They were both praying against each other. I'm, I'm dead. I, I, I was shocked when they told me the story. I was like, witchcraft? And you didn't realize this? So spiritual. Hello? Got one group praying. Father God, remove that group, Lord God. Deal with those people. Expose the other group. I mean, I mean just craziness, y'all. You got to be careful when you, listen, when, and the reason why I tell you this is not so you don't go to prayer, but that way when you go to prayer that you don't allow people to get crazy like that. Hello? You don't pray against people. I pray for the wrath of God. I pray for, you know, what? Listen, put it off. Get it out of your life. That's witchcraft church. Coming up in the church, come back to slander. Listen, we need to pray for this person. You know, I, I found out that, you know, they have a problem with X, Y, Z. We need to pray for them. Hold on a second. Couldn't you just make it a petition for this person? Anonymous, God knows. Could you do that? I think so. You don't have to expose things like that. It's not the way that you do stuff. That's slanderous. He's saying get rid of it. Get it out of your life. He goes on. Now, now mind you, I want you, to, I want you to understand something. We, let, let, let me rewind again. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. It's not an evangelistic letter. He's speaking to the church. He's telling church, put off anger. Church, put off wrath. Church, put off blasphemy. Church, put off malice. Church, don't lie. That's the next one there, right? No longer lie to each other. In other words... You gave your life to Jesus, but you're still lying. You know, little white lies are still lies. Let, 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 let me point something out to you. Anytime that you try to deceive someone, it's a lie. Did you hear me? What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is, well, what I don't tell them won't hurt them. It's a lie. I'm going I'm to withhold this information. Lying. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to make a purchase. I'm going to leave it in the trunk. Wait for my spouse not to be home. Then I'm going to creep it up in the house. Take it out. Put it on display. And I it's going to show up. Hello, somebody. It's a lie. Hello. It is deception. You, we, we are called to be people of truth. Amen? And so he, said, he says clearly, he says, do not lie. He said, I'm sorry, you know what? I, I skipped one. I'm going to go back to it. But he says, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Don't lie. Tell the truth no matter. Say, say it with me. No matter. What it cost you. That isn't a license to go and just be offensive and nasty either. Did you hear me? Because you know right? Well, well, I'm bound to the truth, so I was going to tell you like it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just let you know, because that's just how it is, the truth. The truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Can't show no love. That's what the Bible says, to speak the truth in love. The book of Ephesians, speak the truth in love. Because you know when you're speaking the truth, being nasty, you ain't bringing no edification to no one. That doesn't mean it's going to be any easier when it's in love. As a matter of fact, I've learned when you're speaking in love, it's harder. When you're really coming in love, you don't even want to do it. You, don't, you, don't, you, you, you are the most hesitant. I mean, I don't, I don't know about anybody else in here, but, man, if I care about someone and I know this thing that I got to tell them is going to hurt them, it kills me. I'd be like, I can't sleep because it's, like, eating me up so bad. Because I love them. I don't want to hurt them. I wish everything was just peaches and cream and we never had to confront no one, never had to tell nobody nothing, never had to correct. I wish it was like that, glory to God. But it's not. So the only thing we can do is do it in love. 
Communicate in love. Let's go back for a moment because he says the next thing there. He says blasphemy, and then he says filthy language out of your mouth. Filthy language out of your mouth. Now, what, 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 is that, what does that mean? That means, you know, those, those, those nice words that ain't so nice, that if your child says them would probably get backhand, hello? Be like, oh, you, you can't say that word, but why can't you say it? They can't say it, but you can say it? What kind of sense does that make? We're supposed to be like children as Christians, amen, somebody? And so we should be innocent in that sense. I, I, you know, one time on YouTube, I was looking, and a guy had a whole thing there on curse words saying cursing wasn't a sin, it wasn't a bad thing, it wasn't wrong. Are you, are you serious? When he's talking about filthy language, he's talking about vulgar language. He's talking about just being nasty. He's talking about not just cursing. He's not, he's not just talking about cursing. He's not just talking about the words you use. He's talking about what you communicate as well. So in other words, don't be engaged in nasty conversations. Don't be nasty when you're talking to people. He's saying don't, filthy, don't let that stuff come out of your mouth. We talk about, I've said this before, don't be laughing at them crazy jokes, and please don't tell them. Hello? Got Christians over here, you know, they got a, <laughs> glory to God. They got to they think, can I, can I tell Bishop that joke? Listen, if, if you, if you got to think, you shouldn't be telling that joke. Hello, somebody. Not, not, not because I'm special, but because you have some level of respect and, you know, you don't want to do something unholy. Hold, hold on a second. You understand you were telling that joke in front of God Almighty? Do you understand that you were sharing that joke as a Christian in the name of the Lord? Hello? So he says to us, put all of those things away because what? Because you put the old man away. I'm getting ready to close now. Put all of those things away. Put all of those things away. Don't lie to one another. Verse 10. And have put on the new man who was renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. And so he's saying, listen, he said, you put, you, you, you put all of these things off. And when he's given this picture of putting it off, it's like taking off clothing. He's saying, put this off, but don't just stand there naked. Hello. You're going to put some stuff on. And in a nutshell, he says, you put on the new man. You put on the new man, which is Christ. And how do you do that? How are you being renewed? You are being renewed through knowledge, church. Hearing the word of God preached, hearing the word of God taught, that's a part of how you gain knowledge. But that is not the fullness. If this is the only time that you're getting renewed, listen, it definitely is not enough. If the only time that you're getting knowledge from God is when you come to church, you have issues. Especially in this church. We only have church like three times a week. The reality is you need to be growing daily by being renewed in knowledge. As you get revelation from your personal prayer time and being in the word. And listen, you should have both of them together. I encourage you, don't just pray throughout however long you're going to pray. And just forget about listening to God. Make sure that the word of God is part of your devotional time with the Lord. You need the word of God because this is the way that God speaks to us 99% of the time. It is directly through his word. And so it is important that you are getting knowledge, not just through a third party, not just through a vessel, but directly in relationship because that is what is going to change and transform your heart and that is going to renew you on a daily basis, which is what we all need. We should be growing in that. But the reality is this, that we cannot be renewed without the revelation that comes from God's word and our repentance of our sin and our rejection of our old nature. See, when we get the revelation that comes through the word of God, when we get the revelation that comes through the scriptures, when we get the revelation that comes out of our relationship, we have a choice. This is the beauty of God Almighty is he always gives you a choice in the matter. You can take what he says and say, I'm going to live this thing out, or you can say it was good, but I'm going to go ahead and keep living life like I was. It is your choice.
And so you can get the knowledge. There's going to be plenty of people that are going to come before God full of knowledge but void of fruit. And it's going to be a sad day for them. And so we all have the choice to make. But when we get the revelation of God and we realize, I remember I was talking to some brothers and I said, man, I remember we went through every man's battle. We went through every man's battle, and I want you to know something. God is merciful, and God has, you know, he, he liberated me a long time ago. I told you the testimony when I was coming home on our, on our honeymoon, and my wife was asking me, why was I looking at all of these women? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was just, that was just a thing that I did, and you know what? It was at that point that God began delivering my life. I remember working um, a few years before I started the church. I worked as, a, as, a, as an inventory clerk, and as I worked in an inventory clerk, you know, there was a guy there, he was, you know, he, he was one of those dudes that had like five girls or whatever the case was, and I used to be in the back, and I had to come out to the front of the store and, you know, help, you know, put stuff together. But anyway, a brother of mine, when I left that job, I got him the job to replace me, and so when he went there and got the job, it was awesome for me because he went there and got the job, and he was talking to this guy that, you know, had all of these women, and the dude told him, he said, man, when I first met Jason, I thought he was gay. And he's like, my friend was like, why? He said, because, man, he wouldn't look at no women. He wouldn't talk to me about no women, nothing like that. And I said, praise God. And he said, and then I had a conversation with him. I found out he was a Christian. That's a good testimony, amen? The beauty of it was that I, got, I, had, I had the privilege of going to another job. When I went to the other job, this same friend, I got him a job working with me there. And when he went out in the truck with the guys, the guys were like, they didn't tell, they, they didn't think I was gay because they knew I wasn't gay. I wouldn't be pulling washers and dryers, you know, being in a situation like that. But anyway, they, they knew that. They, they knew that because I, I would ride with them in the truck. See, this other dude, he would just see me. He was just watching me. He'd be over there folding towels or whatever, and he's watching me what I'm doing when I'm walking around. And he's looking at the women he's looking at, and he sees I'm not paying attention to them. And it was just because God set me free, and I was, I was happy that, you know, I was able to share that. When I went to this other job, he came and he worked there, and he said the same thing. These guys were like, man, Jason won't look at none of the women when we're driving down and going to these apartment complex and all this type of stuff. And it's because God liberated me. But let me tell you something. The fullness of this liberation came when we were going through every man's battle. When we were going through every man's battle, we, I sat down, and, and in the book, when you read through the book, I encourage every man to read the book, read it over and over and over again until you are totally set free. But as, I, as, we're, as we're reading the book, there is one portion in one chapter, and in this portion, he's talking about God's perspective on lust. And he's saying, look, man, he said, God is absolutely against it. And he says almost every book in the New Testament communicates about lust. And what he did was he put every single scripture back to back, back to back. And as I was sitting there in my room, I could feel myself shrinking in my chair as the holiness of God began to amplify in the room. It was an amazing experience because as I was looking at the pure, unadulterated scriptures in the word of God, I was beginning to understand God is holy. And not only is he holy but his word declares his standards for this area and Jason this is God talking to me you have a choice you can compromise in those little times when you slip up or you can recognize that there's no room for that in your life that you need to respond to the word of God God is holy his standards remain true and you've got to walk it out and live according to his standards or your way one or the other you will either be renewed into his image or you will continue to live your way. So the choice is up to us. We can be renewed and we can grow in this grace. And we can experience what he has for us. Or we can walk away from him like we never heard him say it. Everybody stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads. <laughs>